just want to say that I'm Keita Rush, the bully buster. And it's not about how many times you get knocked down. Ugh. It's about how many times you get back up. Pretty soon, you're gonna see that belt around my waist. You know, when we all have our 15 minutes of fame, and I'd like to take a couple of my 15 minutes to talk about the rights and the wrongs in the world of professional wrestling. And for the WWE Championship. This match is for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling Podcast. This is your host, Mr. Green, and we've got another week to go into one of the uh, re- reviews of episode 207 of WOW, original air date, October 28th. And if you go in chronologically and you try to look for this particular episode on their YouTube channel, you're going to be looking for episode 59. Remember on their YouTube channel, they're still going in chronological order on TV. They're doing it via seasons, which is why we're at 207, even though they, they don't have 200 episodes. It's just 200 represents season number two. So uh, I would imagine by the time we get to 252, they would flip it over and so on and so forth. I am your host, Mr. Green, if I did not say that already. And we are going to uh, go into the entirety of the four matches that ran through the good, the bad, the nonsensical, and the things that were, uh, that that made absolute perfect sense. I mean, uh, I I don't want to take away from uh, the things that they did in the show that were... um, that were justified and good. I mean, there's one. I'll, I'll get down to that at, at you know at some point. But before I go into that, I wanted to also uh, bring up. I questioned last week about the or at least previous uh, uh, podcast episode uh, about the validity of the TNA. Well, I guess it's now back to the TNA Hall of Fame. Is at least until they flip it over. Right now, it is still Impact Wrestling. Um, but they're Hall of Fame, and now uh, specifically, I was questioning like, well, what do they have Tracy Brooks in there for? I watched the Hall of Fame on their Impact Plus app today. I am a subscriber, well, at least I've returned to being a su- subscriber. I had it for a while, and I dropped it, and, and I was interested in seeing Bound for Glory, or at least some of the stuff surrounding it. So I picked it back up, even though they they take some time to rotate their big pay per views into it. And they still haven't fixed a lot of the, uh, at least for me. On my tablet, it's perfectly fine. On Roku, I don't know why, but their category section is is just having all kinds of problems with me there. But it may just be the device. I'm, I'm going to reboot it later and see. Anyway, 
the point being is that I sat and I watched their Hall of Fame. It's pretty brief. It's an easy watch. And it answered some questions for me as it related to Tracy Brooks because, again, uh, my question was, has she really had a Hall of Fame uh, wrestling career as it relates to her work in the ring? Now, keep in mind that, of course, when you have a Hall of Fame and it's your company, you can put in whoever you want and you can make whatever criteria you feel. So I wasn't saying that she shouldn't be in there on on the merit of Impact wanting her there. I was just looking at it strictly from an in-ring standpoint. But when they talked the induction, Gail Kim in particular talked about what Tracy meant to that company. Her being essentially recognized as the first knockout of the company, which is something I've forgotten about. Now, the context of that is that she isn't the first woman wrestler that was in the company they actually had several people in there before then including mickey james who was working as uh alexis larie before then but francine showed up down there daphne showed up down there uh the former bb <laughs> if anybody remembers her from wwe she was very brief i mean it was it was uh if that wasn't a vince russo thing i don't know what was and some em some large chested EMT that went by the name of BB because her name is Barbara Bush you can make of that what you will I'm pretty sure when you think about the uh, immaturity that Vince Russo had or and maybe still has to in some degree you'll understand why he called her that but uh those were some of the ladies that were there ahead of time but they didn't really have matches you fast forward a couple of years and, you know, you have somebody like Tracy Brooks that was in the company and really kind of pushing alongside Gail Kim for women's wrestling. And lo and behold, they got it done. And not only did they get it done, they, you know, somewhat helped facilitate one of the better women's divisions in wrestling for the last 20 years. And that's amazing that they have been around this long. But and and consecutively, it's not not to take a shot at WOW, but I mean, look at the hiatus that took place with them. <laughs> they started in a year ahead of TNA Wrestling. They did a pay per view, then they disappeared. And for the better portion of 14 years, they were not on the air. Say what you will about Impact and say what you will about TNA, you know changes in names and global force and all that stuff the ups and downs the stupidity the greats the the highs the lows say what you will about them but they stayed consistently on the air somewhere somehow they did it so and even when they had that little uh, couple of months dark period when they did everything directly through the internet before that was a big thing like today that would be a, a norm but when they did it then that was not a regular deal it was their dark period. That was the time when Raven was the champion for those who are kind of looking into that. But they managed to stay on there. And through that, Tracy Brooks, Gail Kim, they consistently pushed for women's wrestling. So it's not so much what she did in front of the camera, even though she did a lot. She ballet, she referee, she wrestled. She pretty much did every job that she could do in front of the camera. 
including being an assistant to Dusty Rhodes. But her work, not to disparage that, but I can see where they felt the need to give her her flowers, so to speak, now. She gave a lot to that company. And that, you know, I think that means a lot. Also, as a side note, they, they uh, did the induction. You know, this is just because I was watching it. Um, Don West, the late Don West and, and Mike Tanay, which was a very um, touching induction. If you have Impact Plus, or, and it might be on their YouTube channel, I would say go look. But if you have it and you get the opportunity to, to watch the inductions of, of those two, and I want to stress, it's not long. It's not like it took two or three hours or something like that. It's probably like half an hour at best. But it, but it was very nice. Very nice induction, uh, especially when they talked about what Don West also meant behind the scenes for everybody. And it's like, Lo, I know everybody thought that that energy that he was putting on in front of the camera was a, an act. He's like, no, that, that was Don. That was him, you know, pretty much all the time. And it took a while for people to come around to him. And they did. And as a commentating duo, they really didn't get a lot of credit at the time. But um, it's nice to see that Don West, even if, you know, after his life, after cancer took him, has gotten some um, some some credit here for, for the work that he did, for him learning, for him trying to do his best to get into the wrestling business. I mean, not get into it, but get into it as in understand it and, and appreciate it and love it. And really became one of the hallmark things that that company had when they was on the road. Because that man did sell some merchandise. That was a, he was a selling machine. That, that is no, no joke. I've been at one of those live shows and, and seen him just do his thing. That that uh, brown bag special. I still have my bag, by the way. <laughs> it was it was a it was a brown. Well, it was not really brown. It was actually black. But they called it the brown bag special with the little TNA logo and like you get this and you know you you get two DVDs. Didn't know which ones you was getting. Uh, two DVDs, a T-shirt, and I forget something else. Some other piece of merch. And then of course along with the bag, and I, which I still use this day. But uh, yeah, he, he was he was great with that selling thing, man. Really great. Uh, if you get a chance, go check that out. That is, it was very nice, uh, and nice to see Mike Tanay as well. Considering that he once he left Impact, he pretty much divorced himself from the wrestling industry altogether. So if you haven't had a chance to see him or hear him talk about his uh, wrestling career, and, and he did a just addressed a lot of people Bobby Heenan uh, Mongo B. Michael Eric Bischoff um, it, it, he brought up something that was that I had really forgotten about is that the fact that uh, Don West got into the business at you know in TNA but when he passed both AEW and WWE uh, gave respect to his passing you know on their on their broadcast two companies that he never worked for he said that right there says a lot for what the impact that he had, and, I, and that was really, really nice. Um, <clears throat> so before I go off and, and start with anything else, let us move into uh, the land of wow. 
One of the things that I, I'm going to bring up, and I'm going to address it as a potential spoiler. We'll, we'll put it that way. The reason I'm going to say that is because I, being part of their uh, media press list, I've gone on to the, um, um, their media site. And on their media site, they have the roster that is listed for WOW in their, what they call their second season. So if you're there, you can see everybody that WOW has placed as being part of their show uh, at this point going forward. Which <laughs> pretty much tells you the new names, not necessarily new faces, but it gives you the new names and some of the people who are returning. And by proxy, it also gives you some of the people who have left. And I'm going to go through that list right now. I also have it posted on our YouTube channel on the uh, comments section. I mean, I guess the uh, post section. So... If you do not want to hear this, I you know I've been trying to put chapters in on these uh, podcasts. So if you're listening to this on YouTube, you might want to skip to the next thing if you don't want to hear it, and you just want to just be surprised. But if you do, you know, stay tuned. If you listen to this elsewhere, you may want to fast forward by a, a minute or so. So here we go. Here are the listed wild superheroes, managers, and wrestlers who are listed on the uh, uh, global, the Paramount Global um, Press section. I, they, they have a different name for it, they Global Content Distribution, but, you know, that's a whole bunch of word salad. Anyhow, <laughs> so here's some of the people that you know. We've seen Adriana Gambino already return. Amber O'Neill is listed as returning, and given that this is already taped, I would say she is probably going to be pretty accurate. Americana, Angelica Dante, The Beast, BK Rhythm, Chainsaw, Chantilla Cella, The Class Master, who they don't have any parentheses by to say that she's new, but this is somebody that I've never heard of. And they do have a bunch of people who have been taking pictures in their hotel rooms and their wild jumpsuits and everything. So uh, I expect her to pop up any time now, I, I, I would imagine. Um, and given the name, I'm going to assume that she's going to be associated with uh, the disciplinarian or Samantha Smart or somebody. Coach Campanelli, Crystal Waters, the disciplinarian, Exodus, Fury, Genesis, Gigi Gianni, G.I. Jane, Gloria Glitter, who we just saw, Goldie Collins, new face there, or at least she will be, Holiday, Ice Cold, Jennifer Flores, Jesse Jones, Candy Crush, Katrina Jinx, we already saw who showed up and lost, Keita Rush, Lana Starr, Las Banditas, Vivian Rivera, Vivian Rivera and Sylvia Sanchez. Little J Boogie. Oh, excuse me. Lil, not little. L I L. Lil J Boogie, who's also listed as new. 
Miami's Sweet Heat, Laurie and Lindsey Carlson. The Mighty Mites, Sugar and Spice, also listed as new, which is a recycled name from years gone by with Glow. The Mother Truckers, Holly Swag and Big Rick Betty, Penelope Pink, Princess Ozzy, Rebel Hayes, also listed as new. We already seen her. Raina Del Rey, Sandy Shore, Samantha Smart, Santana Garrett, who is returning. She hasn't showed back up yet, but she's returning, and I don't understand the point in having Santana Garrett. Or, excuse me, I don't understand the point in having Americana when you have a Santana Garrett, which is basically the same thing, except she's a better version of it. Sasha Sparks, who is also listed as new. Sophia Lopez. Steffi Slays. Team Spirit. Now, we've already listed um, uh, Coach Campanelli up there, but Team Spirit is now listed as Ariel Sky and Pep Riley, which I saw a uh, promotional photo of her. So it's just somebody else with another cheerleading gimmick. What happened to Randy Rara, I don't know, but apparently she's been written off of television. Tiki Chamorro, the Tonga Twins, Chaos and Kona, Tormenta, and Vicky Lynn McCoy. Those are the listed names for WoW as it stands right now. Conspicuous by their absence, I did not see Razor of the Heavy Metal Sisters. I did not see Mesmera, also of the Heavy Metal Sisters, who probably doesn't need to be there anyway. And I and I hate saying it, but she just she she did not have a talent for that. She just didn't. And I think her entire run in WoW has proven me correct with this. She never had a match on her own. She never did anything of note. She wasn't really a good manager. She didn't speak. It was it, she was just getting a paycheck just to be there, more or less. Surprisingly, I did not see Foxy Fierce. That was somewhat shocking to me. She seemed like somebody who was going to be on that show essentially to the bitter end. Especially when they have people who are trained essentially and only through WoW. Those are the ones that I really expect to just like, I'm not going anywhere. But somehow, I guess uh, Foxy Fierce is maybe she couldn't make the tapings. I don't know. Maybe they had a falling out. That's the other thing that gets me with this is that you never know the reasons why. Everybody who that is left while is like their mouth is shut as far as the reasons, as far as what's going on, why, why they did it, why they didn't. The, the closest I've seen to anybody who ever wanted to say anything about WoW for any reason was uh, Jessica Havoc. She she was the absolute closest. She and I was on a on a Twitch stream where I heard her say you know something as it related to David McLean and essentially them having somewhat of a uh, creative falling out. We'll call it. But outside of that, I've not heard anybody like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm leaving because of this or leaving because of that. Uh, the other name, Wrecking Ball. She is not 
listed here either. Now, we have seen Wrecking Ball. Matter of fact, we see it on the episode that's up for review right now. But uh, she has also put on her own Instagram. So this is not speculation. This is not up in, up in the air. This is not a what if. This has happened. She has asked for and she's received her release from WOW. Uh, she put that up about 10 weeks, eight, yeah, 10 weeks ago. So if you are thinking that the last call tag team has a future and that they might go somewhere and win the titles, because I know there's some people that, that praise and love while regardless of what they do and they, they've put their comments like, I can't wait to see Last Call win the tag team titles, you know, stuff like that. Well, sorry to disappoint you. They ain't winning it. And that is, that's a spoiler. They're not going to win it. They they won't exist in a couple of weeks. Reina Del Rey will have to either find a new partner or she'll just migrate back into being a, a singles competitor. Those are all the ones I can think of off the top of my head. I mean, when I go through the list, doesn't seem like a massive exodus out of there, but there are enough people who have stepped out of wow to make a difference. One of the things that I'm really concerned, I was going to say curious about, but I'm not curious about it. I'm concerned with how many of these people that they're picking up are actually trained wrestlers and ready to go onto TV without only having like six months worth of training experience before they get thrown out there. One of these girls that I have seen on there, um, there's a Reddit that's, that exists with um, people talking about WoW. But one of the girls that I've seen, they they talked about her as like, she's just an, she's an actress. Now granted, she's in good physical condition, but she's an actress. And probably has no wrestling experience outside of WoW. And and this is one of those things that like I I hope WoW does not revert back to doing this. They had a bad problem with that you know several years ago, especially when they first started. It was just um we'll we'll find some people, they'll answer this this ad in the in the, the back uh, backstage. I think that's where a lot of them said they got the, the word that WoW was hiring. Uh, and then they would just train them. They would give them about six months or so, and then next thing you know, they're they're on the air. If they are only dealing with wow, it's probably very likely that they will be fine. But at the same time, it is is very very difficult to. I mean, wrestling is not as easy a thing as they make it out to be sometimes. And it probably would work better for them to have people that they can utilize immediately. I am concerned that they are going backwards to just anybody can be a wild superhero. We'll just hire you and we'll train you and we'll make you do it. You know, we'll get you to do all the stuff that we need you to do. This is the same mentality that the WWE had uh, for a long time with their women's division. Let's hire them now. We can train them later. And that that bothers me. It bothers me that they would, 
exist in that, especially the WWE. But WoW doesn't need to follow that. They don't need to follow the 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 footsteps of that, even though they did it a long time, almost first. They don't need to keep they don't need to do that. They need to get people who actually know what they're doing. Now the problem with you getting people that know what they're doing is that at some point they probably will have some level of creative difference. And that is the one common denominator with most of the people that aren't there is that they they were wrestlers. Maybe with the exception of Fierce or Mesmera. But they were they were wrestlers. And I can only imagine that it came down to one or two things. Either they didn't like or agree with the creative that they were given, the scheduling was bad, or you know it just isn't working out in terms of pay or you know their advancement. I would say, or all of the above. Do not, this is an open statement to WoW, do not go back to just hiring any actress who decides to audition for WoW and train them to be wrestlers. It, it, it takes more than that. Americana should be a cautionary tale to that company. As much as they like her as, and as, as much potential as she may have, she does not carry the instinct at this point, I'm not going to say that she can't ever get it, but she does not carry the instinct to be a professional wrestler right now. She doesn't even carry the instinct to be a good, wild superhero right now. And that's what you're going to get. You're going to get just a bunch of those if you just keep hiring people off the stage or you know, actors who aren't doing anything with themselves. This is my concern with the company. Goldie Collins is being portrayed by actress Madeline Claire Lego. I hope I'm pronouncing her last name correctly. But she's on a, you know, on Instagram and as Maddie Lego and you can find her and and there you go. She's got nothing on her Instagram that is even remotely related to wrestling other than her in a wild jumpsuit. That is the problem. And that will be a problem if they start doing this now, if they continue to do this. Don't fall for that. Wow. <laughs> Just get away from that before it's too late. I also notice that Siren the Voodoo Doll is not listed here any longer. Somewhat disappointing. Siren, formerly, well, I guess she is back to being Nina Monet or she's still wrestling. She has not made any official statements that I'm aware of. Uh, she does live, uh, unless she's moved in the last uh, couple of months or year or so. She does live in Georgia. She has worked here as recently as the, I would say, last two months she has a lot of uh, wrestling connection one of her best friends is a referee in WWE make of that what you will um, she's come back to work against Crystal Rose some of you may know her from uh, my channel she has Worked various independents around the Southeast. 
she has been connected and tied up with some of the people who have worked in Impact also. So, again, make of that what you will. I don't know if this is a case of Nina having received a better opportunity or greener pastures or whatever the case may be. I hope that this isn't the last we've seen of her. She deserves to get at least a shot somewhere. I really think that she does. She performs so well on screen. She's such a good verbalist when she talks. As long as she doesn't, you know, as long as she doesn't get buried off into doing random spells. I mean, she has done that. She's kind of rambled in, in cases. But she deserves a lot. And I would hope the best for her. Doesn't seem like WoW is the place that she is currently, but we will keep our eyes open to see where she's going. Perhaps she may even show up in the NWA as they are getting a TV deal as well. And it's good to have friends because another one of her friends, the WOAD, W-A-W-A, let me spell that again, the WOAD, W-O-A-D, Weapon of Ass Destruction, has also begun working with the NWA in the Billy Corgan era. So I would say that whether she is able to utilize the connections or not, she has connections in a couple of different locations. Maybe that will help her out. Who knows? But WoW has a roster of change that is around the corner. Keep your eyes out. Let's get on to the show. The first segment on this episode is the Mother Truckers. And they enter with their new catch, well, not new catchphrase, but their tired catchphrase of honk honk. And of course, the commentators are doing it too. As a side note, and this will relate, I promise you. I saw a Walmart commercial recently that was utilizing the uh the almost 20-year anniversary of the Mean Girls movie. Almost 20 years. Can you believe that? And they had the original uh, cast members as older versions of their of themselves from the, sh- from the movie, including Lacey Chambert's uh, character. I don't remember her character name. But within that, she does the whole, oh, that's so fetch. And then her daughter <laughs> in this commercial, the commercial is actually funny, their daughter within this commercial says, stop trying to make fetch that it is still not a thing. How does that relate? Stop using honk honk. It is not a thing. It is not going to catch on as a thing. Just let, just drop it. Stop trying to make honk honk a thing. Kids out there are not going to sit out in the audience and go honk honk for the mother truckers. And it's dumb anyway, because if they did, it would just sound like a army of angry geese stop trying to make this a thing so the mother truckers basically they cut a promo to say handcuff Sophia Lopez I mean that that's ultimately what it comes down to this stems from them being attacked by uh, lost banditas with handcuffs and then being handcuffed briefly to the bottom rope and getting beaten up, apparently at Sofia Lopez's behest. This, I mean, it isn't bad. It, it, it seems somewhat quick in my view, but it isn't bad. 
they recapped a few they being the commentators trying to make the mother truckers sympathetic and they use lines within the the uh recap of they didn't realize what that asking for Sophia Lopez's help came with a price this goes right back to what I said before it makes them look stupid how could your baby faces Two people who have been on that roster for at least a couple of months, long enough to know who Sofia Lopez is. It's not like you got to be there for years for that. But long enough to know that Sofia Lopez is underhanded. How is it that your baby faces do not know that asking this woman to help them and bail them out of jail, which costs money, would come with a price? That's ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous and it's stupid. It's absurd. But, it, but you know, I, I will say this. It keeps in context of the stupidity that the mother truckers have illustrated from the moment that they got on that show to right now. If you need to see that the, the stupidity that they have illustrated, go back to their debut when they got a toll call from the Fabulous Four. And rather than to accept money, to take them to where they needed to go, they took tickets to WOW. Because, you know, those tickets are super-duper valuable. And and you can't get them anyplace else. Apparently, you can't buy them. So, so they just took them. Oh, my God, you got tickets to WOW? Mom, look. They come off as so idiotic on here, which is a far cry from what they do anywhere else. Amazing Maria and Hollywood Jay are smart. Hollywood may be a brat, you know, at times or hard to deal with, but she doesn't come off as dumb. Holly Swag, her alter ego, and Big Rig Betty, Amazing Maria's alter ego, they come off as just stupid. How do you deal? It would be like saying somebody, I didn't know that the devil would have wanted my soul. (laughs) This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. And now the truckers are speaking in puns, you know, it was grinding my gears and, you know, stuff like that. So that's all this opening segment came off with. And so we're going to move on from that. That There's no reason to even go further with that. Although, and this is just a productionist in me, I wrote down this, why did they use a graphic of the mother truckers taking on Los Banditas with the title and championship in the background? That didn't really make a lot of sense to me. I mean, I, I understand advertising the match saying, hey, this is coming up later, but why with the belt? Neither one of them are the champions. I mean, that just seems like a, a a graphic faux pas. It shouldn't have been there. And somebody should, this is one of those cases that somebody should have been governing this and somebody should have been doing quality control to say, change this. This does not need to be here. First match, last call versus Spring Break 24-7. Spring Break 24-7 coming off their one and only mighty win, getting in the ring with last call. And remember that that one win that they had, neither one of them actually even did the pinfall. That was the revenge that Americana got from, you know, from them breaking her son's tablet and breaking her partner's leg. She got that big moonsault, so all was forgiven. And all was even. 
Last call pretty much beats up Spring Break 27. This, this is a glorified squash match. They got little to no offense. They being last, I mean, they being Spring Break 24-7. They got little to no offense. And last call wins with closing time. There is really nothing else to go into with that. You can go watch the match for yourself. It's probably about three minutes long. I mean, if you include the entrances, the, the video itself is five minutes. So you, you can imagine how long that match is. It's, it's, it's nothing. Uh, after the match, Last Calls wins with closing time, by the way, which was their original finish, which has Wrecking Ball getting up on the shoulders of Raina Ray and then in a kind of electric chair format, and then she gets splashed down on whoever their victim is that particular time. Uh, after the match, Last Call cuts a promo, calling out the Tonga Twins, despite the fact that the Tonga Twins was beat them cleanly the last time that they went in, you know, they had a match against each other. There's really no point behind having Last Call go up against them again, much less for the tag team championships. They sat there and called Dave McClain like, we don't want any more small fries. Again, even though they have not done anything to illustrate that they can handle a team of their own stature. They can handle people that are smaller than them. They can beat them up easy. But they haven't shown anybody, you know, me included, that they can beat a team of any stature in that company. And given that we no longer have Wrecking Ball there, I'm going to just go ahead and make the prediction that they're not going to. The next segment, while previews the matches, including a sit-down interview that is due to take place later on in the show with Vicky Lynn explaining her attack on the Beast. I pushed for segments like this previously, and I'm already regretting it. Next, and I'll tell you why I want to get to it. Next segment, Gloria Glitter versus Keita Rush. This match was fine. I, I did not have a problem with the match. I thought that it, it it moved well. Gloria Glitter gets to have a quick turnaround following her loss to uh, Candy Crush on her debut. And for all intents and purposes, was able to get her heat right back, you know, that episode. Even though she lost, she had a segment following it. She had a good showing. And now she's back within, you know, within two weeks' time, she's back on the air. And she has another match. I like this. I like that she is not just getting buried and or lost in the shuffle. She's she's back again. And so before she is positioned as just another face in the crowd, she actually has another shot on wild television. Uh, <laughs> I forget who said uh, Stephen Dickey. We got two of the most in-shape wild competitors here. This match could go all night long. I used to give Stephen Dickey such praise on this show, and I said that, you know, he needs an opportunity to try to, you know, uh, get better. He should be the lead commentator and all that good stuff. But he is slowly disappointing me. <laughs> slowly disappointing me. Uh I have said that if when you're a commentator, you have to be the trusted voice of the program. And you should be. You should be the trusted voice of what's going on on the screen. 
People should believe in you. They should believe in what you say. They should believe in your opinion. You you need to give them things that they can relate to and understand. There is no match that has ever taken place in a while that has gone beyond 10 minutes. None. So the idea that these two could go all night long, even figuratively speaking, is just ridiculous. And and I, I know that sometimes they try to find some positive quality in Keita Rush that they can utilize when they're talking about how good or bad she is. Or, I mean, I shouldn't even say how good or bad she is. Like something that she can do that no one else does. Keita Rush is the fastest competitor in a while. What does that mean as it relates to women's wrestling or wrestling in general? I said it before one of the earlier podcasts, like, what is that supposed to mean for her, that she can run away real fast? (laughs) What does her speed do in relation to this show? It's not a big ring. It's not like she can run around like that. And And it's not like we've ever seen the example of her speed being worth anything in a match. Now, if they wanted to say something that made her come off as good in there, I would say, despite the fact that she has some level of, it's hard to say inexperience because she's been on that show for a while, so I would probably wouldn't use the term inexperience. But despite her uh, position within the, the rankings of WOW, she is one of the most talented submission artists that WOW has ever seen. She trains in MMA. She trains constantly in, in pro wrestling as well. And that's all it takes. It's just, you know, a, a quick hook of the leg, a quick hook of the arm. If she gets that, then she can finish off this match in no time. Then her speed is utilized, or you could bring it up there. That, that would be the rush. But, you know, they don't they don't really go with that angle. That's just my version of it. But Glitter and and Keita Rush come off well, and this, to me, only shines on Gloria Glitter to to show that she can take people of lesser experience than her because much like uh, Candy Crush, Keita Rush does not really wrestle beyond a wild ring. So I doubt that she has nearly the experience that Gloria Glitter has, even though she's been on TV for several years much like what I did with um, the Steffi Slays <clears throat> breakdown of her career, she probably does not have the same amount of matches. I would I would say that Gloria Glitter, just in her time wrestling for a year, has probably done more matches than Keita Rush has done over the last five. If I were if I were a betting man, um. Dave McClain went a lot of, and I know I'm not talking about the match, I'm talking about a lot of stuff that took place during it with the commentators and whatnot. But the match is solid. I enjoyed the match. I thought that this is one of the better times, that better examples of Keita Rush in the ring. And I know that is in no small part in relation to Gloria Glitter as well. Dave McClain is advertising the Bully Buster Academy, and you know, but my question is how useful is that when she loses? And that is what happened. She lost. How did she lose exactly? Glitter hits what is uh, a version of the pedigree, which they, what they, I don't even know what they call this thing. <laughs> it's, 
I mean, I mean the double, we'll just double hook face buster. And I would have liked to have seen or heard about how good she is as, you know, supporting kids and all that stuff when she has a loss, a win, or a loss that comes with just missing it. But here, Gloria Glitter pins are clean. And not just, I mean, just clean in the middle. Didn't didn't require any cheating at all. It was it was just she hooks the double arms, hits her with that face plant, bam. One, two, three, is done. That's it. No problem winning for the heel. And to some degree, I feel like it undermines the, you know, the whole Bully Buster Academy and so on and so forth. Now at the end of the match, the I was gonna say the bully buster, but the user actual name, Keita Rush. Gets on the microphone and she cuts a promo. Essentially saying that she, you know, it's not about getting knocked down, it's about getting back up. And that's all well and true. I I, I think that they probably should have worked this promo out a little better before they got to this point in the match. Because what she wound up doing is she essentially made a promise that she's getting the belt. Or she eventually she'll get the championship. I hate to be negative about her career, but I don't see Keita Rush getting a championship. I don't even see Keita Rush getting a championship shot, much less the championship. One of the basic rules of cutting a promo in wrestling is not to make promises that you can't keep. If you have no ability to do this or you don't perceive yourself as doing it, don't make a promise that you cannot keep. What she could have said is that she's going to go after the championship and I'm going to do everything in my power to get a title shot. And even then, that's kind of a stretch. Like I said, she hasn't had a match against a champion that I can recall. And she is almost always beaten. So the bully buster thing, it doesn't work here. What should have happened if I were able to pitch this in the same two people in the ring. Keita Rush could have lost, but she should have lost in what was a highly contested match, and Gloria Glitter just happens to get that that quick win, that quick roll-up that, you know, just out-faked her or whatever the case may be. <clears throat> just enough to give Keita Rush an out of some degree, of some description. Didn't have to that didn't have to be that she cheated. I mean Gloria Glitter that is. It didn't have to be that she cheated, but just enough to give Keita Rush an out. And the promo at that point should have been, you know, her acknowledging that, hey, since I've been here in a while, you know, I haven't had the best win-loss record. She can say that. Since I've been here, I have not accomplished what I set out to accomplish. I came in with the best intentions. I came in as part of the bully bus. It's something I really felt whole about, feel it, you know, felt with my heart. And, you know, unfortunately, we we had to part ways. And she had to pursue her goals, and I had to pursue mine. And individually, I, I have not been able to do what I wanted to do. And in most people's world, I should be giving up. In fact, 
there are days, quite honestly, that I feel like giving up. But I wouldn't be the bully buster if I did. Being bullied is is one thing, but it's not just the physical act of somebody beating you up or you know bullying you verbally or this that, that. Sometimes it's life. Life gives you adversity. Life makes it hard. Life gives you the the hurdles that you have to overcome. And I'm realizing now that this is not just about glory glitter or anybody else that's in that locker room. It is life. It is the life of being a professional wrestler. I haven't dedicated myself fully to this the way that I should. And I'm going to make a promise to you and it, to every parent, every kid, every person, every man, woman, child in this ring, this, this arena watching around the world, yada, yada, yada. I am not going to give up either. I am going to take a break. I'll be back. It won't take long to refocus. I'm going to train like I never trained before, and I am going to come back here, and I am going to do what I set out to do. Make an example. Be the positive influence that I can be, and if all goes well, Wild sees me as a contender, I will go after the Wild Championship. You know, something along those lines. I'm not saying do it verbatim. But something along those lines. Just something that gets her away from being the, you know, the punching bag of wow. Because there's a couple of them. And if this is the means to get her into that next step, because she's been doing this a long time, she she should get some sort of win, you know, streak. Doesn't have to end with her getting the championship, but she needs to get something where people can at least follow her and back her up. And believe in her. She hasn't given the audience anything to believe in. There's no reason for them to believe that she could ever get that championship. She hasn't come close to it. And she hasn't ever cut a promo to express that the championship even meant anything important to her up until now. So I think the goal was in the right place. The delivery was a little off. Just a little bit. Not terrible, but just a little bit. Don't make promises in your promo that you can't keep. The next, uh, the next match is the Los Bandidas, the Los Bandidas, Los Bandidas with Sofia Lopez taking on the Mother Truckers. One thing I have noticed that has changed and I'm happy with with Sofia Lopez is that she does not come out shaking hands anymore because, I, like I said, the shaking hands deal was a mixed message came off wrong smiling shaking hands you know greeting people nicely it, it then then when the match starts i'm gonna go out here and cheat mixed message here she's handing out business cards this makes much more sense because she's a lawyer she's trying to drum up business here look at take my card take my card call me you know that comes off as a easier to digest thing rather than her going out there shaking hands with every kid that she sees and them not understanding whether she's babyface or heel. Make it clear. And they started making it clear that with her giving out the cards, there's a feeling of insincerity. <laughs> she's not looking for friends now. She's looking for business. And that's the way it should be. During this, while finally mentioned the passing of Peggy Lee Leather, a.k.a. Thug, which has been months ago. I'm a little disappointed in a while about that. I know they taped this stuff in months in advance, but they could have at least 
put up a live video, you know, put up a different video up on YouTube. They could have put up something on their face. I'm not well. I guess their Facebook and their Instagram and and their website. They could have done something by now. It did not require them waiting months and months and months to get to this point. Um. That was just a little side note. But as the Las Bandidas get into the ring, David McLean gets on the microphone. He's doing his uh, general manager thing. And he says, essentially, that if this match is going to take place, Sofia Lopez has to be locked up. They come out with handcuffs, and she's saying, no, I'm not going to do it. But he's like, you have to do it. You got no choice. You got to be locked up. Now, here's another thing that's, that gets me with Sofia Lopez, the world's greatest attorney. She couldn't fight this legally. She she couldn't fight this at all. She couldn't even threaten that I'm gonna sue you if you give me if you put me on there. I mean, at least a hollow threat. David McClain is seems to be the only person in the wild universe that is immune to her uh, apparent legal powers. Like he has no fear of her. World's greatest attorney powers whatsoever. He he just like nope. What are you doing this is what you're doing. It, it's not even a, a concern that it's like hey I'm doing this wrong. This is illegal. I can't get away with this. Nothing. Just nope. You're gonna be handcuffs. And I'm not saying that he as the owner or executive producer, gentleman, whatever title that he has, matchmaker. I'm not saying that he's necessarily wrong. It's just. What are we supposed to go with with Sofia Lopez? Is she the, is she legitimately in their universe, the world's greatest attorney, or is it just talk? I'd always assumed that it was just talk. But then they come behind it and they try to make it as legit as possible. So, I mean, pick one or the other. So, ultimately, they handcuff her. And what I didn't understand, I, I, the next note that I put here is, uh, why are they taking this match at all? It's not like there's anything on the line. It's, it's, it's not as if he says, hey, you have to take this match and Sofia Lopez has to get handcuffed or we'll take the titles away. They're not champions. It's not like he said, you got to take this match and she has to be handcuffed or else I'm going to fine you $50,000 or whatever. And it's not also like you do what I say or I'm going to fire you. None of those things came up. It's just like you have to do it. Why? Why did they have to do it? What reason? What What did Las Banditas stand to gain out of having to take this match? Other than we're going to take a match. It, it just it didn't seem like it benefited them at all. It seemed like they, they stood nothing to gain off of agreeing to these stipulations. And they didn't have anything to lose. They didn't have any championships. They didn't have any money that was on the line if they didn't. So what what were they losing here? If they just said, you know, screw it, we're just we don't want to do it. We're we're leaving right now. If that were the case, what would have been the loss here? Uh, that's what I didn't understand. It, it is a uh, another one of those points of like they're not looking for any depth to this. They're not looking for people to question that, and it's just a take it or leave it proposition, basically. This also was, uh, in my view, I know some people say, well, this is more competitive than that. In my view, this is, it wasn't a squash, but it was a foregone conclusion. There was, there was very little to sit on the edge of your seats about. 
It was a basic Mother Trucker match. Mother Truckers come in. At some point, Holly Swag gets in the ring. She gets cut off. Cut off. She gets beaten up for an extended period of time. Manages to make the tag out of nowhere. Big Rick Betty does her deal. Hits them with a finish. One, two, three, and you're done. That's basically what every Mother Trucker match, maybe except for one, has been. So I'm not going into the play-by-play on that, but that that's what she she hits a stunner, Big Rick Betty does, and it's a clean win. This feud has been greatly underwhelming. And they probably need to just move on from this. Let's be done with it. Does not need to happen anymore. This was no surprise. This feud should be over. It has carried on for months in some form or another. If there's any time for them to rehabilitate the mother truckers and get them off of this feud and hopefully doing things that make more sense and show them as having some level of intelligence, this is the time to get get them out of that and on to the next deal. Match is okay, but like I said, it's, it's a standard mother trucker match. The next segment, Wild recaps the Beast. The Beast isn't a good promo, but what she she does what Wild needs. She has a very stern, growling voice, and that's how the Beast presents. I, I don't know what she even sounds like doing talking normally these days. She just you know it's always I'm the Beast. You know it's just always. Very deep and very gritty in her tone. But that isn't the uh, the high part, the, the high spot of this particular segment. And this is why I said earlier, I was pushing for these sit-down interviews, and I'm, I'm already regretting it because they can't do them well. This is the second sit-down interview that they've had if you include the Beast Speaks last week, this we'll, we'll say it's the, th- the third segment of where somebody sh- was supposed to talk. This sit-down interview lasted one question. Once they came out, of the, it was like a long video package, and then they got to Vicky Lynn sitting down with Nigel Zane. Now, I will sidebar here for a second. Some of you may not know who Nigel Zane is. Some of you may, may have or looked him up by now. I don't know. But I'm just going to just give a brief little interlude with that. Nigel Zane wrestled for some years generally in the southeast region as Nigel Sherrod for a while. I don't know if there's any match that you can look up that would be of any note of Nigel's, quite honestly. Not not a shot against him, but I just don't recall him ever having any real major angle, real major feud. Like the biggest thing I can remember him having a match with, or the biggest person, it was Awesome Kong in the intergender match. That's the biggest match that I can recall him being a part of. I don't recall him having any sort of stellar five stars or anything like that. Again, that's not a crime. Every wrestler can have that. But just giving some context here. 
What he's probably mostly remembered for these days is running his one-man campaign to try to get the Fabulous Moolah reinstated, her name at least, into the WWE when uh, they removed Moolah's name off of that Battle Royal that year at that WrestleMania. Well, he found that appalling, and then he started going off and trying to get a petition started and getting people to sign it to flip the WWE back the other way so they could uh, have the Fabulous Moolah's name right on the Battle Royal and, you know, recognize her greatness. So, I know I've had this conversation with other people. I don't remember if I said it on the podcast, but so I will make it brief and say it here. That is not the WWE's job. And I'll say that to Nigel Stride. That is not their job to endorse the fabulous Moolah, especially considering that she has some uh, controversy wrapped around her name now. And sign the petition is not going to change that. Especially when that battle royal, when it happened, was a sponsored by, I think, Snickers that year. So it's not even a, wasn't even the issue of the WWE. They did not want to upset their sponsor. Their sponsor is paying for this. Their sponsor wants their name on something that is clean, not somebody who has any level of controversy behind them. Now, I know what you're going to say. And I'm saying this, you know, as I've, as I, as if I had him in the room talking to him. But I know what you're going to say, Nigel. I know you're going to say, well, you know, that's not true. They didn't do anything. Listen, too many people have said stuff about that. And at this point, there's got to be some smoke to that fire. And Dark Side of the Ring gets a lot of views. You have to convince the people who watched this that the Fabulous Moolet deserves to have her name on some stuff. You got to convince those people that she wasn't some sort of pimp to her uh, her girls that were working for her. You, you, have, you have to convince the world at large about that. Now, I know he went and got some people to speak about it, but and wrestling legends at that. He had some, you know, Jerry Lawler, Tommy Rich. Uh, I forget the, it might have been Dutch Mantel. No, I don't think it was Dutch. But he had some people within this area that who got on camera for him, like, oh, man, you should let the Fabulous Moolah get, get back on. Now, I bring that up to say this. Jerry Lawler, as much as I love him, is not the target audience for that. He doesn't. It, it won't matter to him whether her name is on it or not. Tommy Rich, also not the target audience for that, and it won't matter to him whether the Fabulous Moolah's name is on it or not. It will bother fans, not necessarily wrestlers. So having them say stuff about it doesn't really mean anything other than maybe you're trying to sway some people, sway a few fans here or there. But the end result, I mean, the answer to all this is simple. Like I said, WWE doesn't owe the Fabulous Moolah a thing. That's not their responsibility. They had an agreement like they have an agreement with every other worker in the wrestling business that ever walked through their doors. And with the exception of one or two, they don't feel like they owe you much. We pay you an excessive amount of money to be on our show and do what we need you to do, and you accept it. Once you accept that money, that that's it. You're done. We don't need you to to uh, we don't need to try to prove anything or, or or validate your existence or your legacy or career or whatever. That that that's not what they have to do. 
But the other side of that coin is this. As much as it's not their responsibility to do that, for the reasons that I just explained, Moolah accepted the money. <laughs> Moolah accepted the Moolah. So they, they're not obligated to do anything beyond that. They tried to give her her flowers with the name, name of the battle roll out to her, and it backfired. And so since it did, she got shuffled off and Mae Young got put in. Because Mae Young didn't have those kind of issues in her past, at least not that we're aware of. So what do you do? You're on a TV show. If it means that much to you that the fabulous Moolah have her name be, you know, cleansed and, and shown to everybody for how great she is, put it on WoW. Put it on WoW TV. WoW doesn't, you know, doesn't have any obligation to abide by what the WWE does. They don't have the same sponsors. So if it means that much, talk to your bosses there. And that's the sad part. I was like, you'd rather have somebody else do it rather than the WoW because I'm sure the second that Jeannie Buss hears anything about the Fabulous Moolah having done any dirt, that is down the drain. Now, you probably can convince her differently because she doesn't know much about wrestling, and that's clear. But I'm, but if anybody within her circle, or she just happens to come across that Dark Side of the Ring episode, that that's a done deal. So if you can't put it on your own show, there's no reason for you to be trying to get the WWE to do it. Now, that's an old campaign, and I hope that he's not still standing on that anthill. But that was just a side note for the thing that he did do when he did it. So now he's the guy that's in the truck, and he's, I guess, the lead backstage interviewer since they don't have anybody else. And as stated before, this interview segment lasted a single question before Vicky then got mad and walked out. She was asked what was the reasons for her attacking the beast in so many words. And she said her reason was she attacked her because that meant that she would be the most dominant person in a while. And this interview's over. She got she, she got up and just, you know, got mad for some reason and walked off. This is poor reasoning. Poor reasoning and no motivation. Like you telling me that the only reason, the reason that she went and broke this woman's ankle with a lead pipe, and I didn't agree with the angle anyway, but it was done is done. So, but you're telling me that the reason that Vicky Lynn McCoy attacked the Beast, who had already given up the championship by this point, and hadn't been on TV in months at this point, attacked by Vicky Lynn with a with a lead pipe and broke her ankle again just because she wanted to be the most dominant wrestler in a while. I guess not thinking that the ankle would ever heal and that she would ever return and that she ever might want to match against her if she ever figured it out. I guess those things didn't come up. But this this was just poor logic with no motivation, no rhyme or reason behind it. And what is up with these 30-second interviews? What are you supposed to gain from that? It couldn't even make it two minutes or three minutes long to do an actual sit down and converse and like, okay, why this? Why did you take it? This did nothing. 
Nothing. They advertised for Vicky Lynn to sit down and talk, but she, I mean, she basically talked for less, like 30 seconds. Everything else was just filler. It was just filler from recap about what, what went wrong and how they got there. And the second she got a question, she got pissed. She answered it and she got pissed off about it and walked out. I, I, I really, really, truly regret having even brought that up now. Because if you can't do it right, then don't do it. And WoW cannot do this right. They advertised these, what, for three times now since the beginning of the second season. They've advertised three segments where the person was supposed to be talking and nothing. So we don't even know whether they're capable of carrying the people just on their ver- on their words. We don't know that because they never show it. And this is the one of the few times that they even made effort for it, but it doesn't go anywhere and it doesn't do anything. Why bother setting up these cameras, the lights, the microphones, and chairs, and this, that, and blah, 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 if that's all the time is ever going to get? It is a waste. It is a waste of time. The next segment and match is the main event. So we go from the bad and we go back to the good. This is the Beast versus Vicky Lynn McCoy with Lana Starr. I can appreciate that the Beast came out here like a woman on a mission. Like a woman who wanted revenge. So much to the point that the cameraman got in the way she, she had to zip around him because she ran out to the rings, you know, out the ringside and she attacked Vicky Lynn McCoy. This is everything that it should be. Everything that it should be. And this only goes back to show me that either Americana is not good at what she did or somebody creatively didn't give her the instruction or all the above. Americana, now, let me give credit where it's due. She did attack Fury of the Heavy Metal Sisters once when she just before she cut the promo about her friend being hurt and the son's tablet being broken. That was the only day I saw her have some level of fire. Here, the beast shows this fire and one to get even. Hits, you know, hits her with some of the big stuff, hits her with a spear until, you know, and doesn't even go for the pin. It's like she... In her look, her face says that I want revenge. Vicky Lynn McCoy gets out to the floor. They start brawling out on the floor. I mean, this this only went like three minutes, but it was great because it made sense. It made sense that the Beast would want to beat this woman into a pulp for what she did to her, for the time that she took off her career, for the pain that she caused her, for inadvertently causing her to have to give up the championship, you know, whatever. That's motivation. That's a reason for somebody to do the, to do some of the things. It's, but, you know, Vicky Lynn's motivation was poor. Where was the motivation? You know, the, the good motivation in wrestling is money and the championships, neither of which was motivating her. So at least 
the beast had a motivation to come out and do something. This is the best two minutes of the show, two or three minutes of the show. The Glory Glitter Cleater Rush match is, you know, a close second to that. But this is the the best segment of the show because of, and I, I want to give her full credit here, because of the Beast. Well, and, and also Vicky Lynn McCoy. She, they, they both felt like this was a big deal. The Beast attacking her look. The energy that she exuded. And conversely, like I say, even though the motivation wasn't good, Vicky Lynn McCoy is a good performer. And she she sold like a champ in this. And managed to do that without making herself look like she was being completely run over. She took a beat. I mean, and this... I, I, I don't know if I can praise Vicky Lynn enough here. I, I really don't. I, I don't know if I can give her enough credit for what she did in the, in the little bit of nuances that she had. She managed to both look like she was taking a complete beating from the beast, but at the same time, not look like she was drastically overwhelmed every second of the match for the little bit of time that that match took place. I mean, you know, the Beast is driving. She she looks so impressive right here. She's driving shoulder blocks into her abdomen, forearm shots, like I said, the spear, and all of which Vicky Lynn sold like like death. (laughs) I mean, she, she was so good here. So good. And the Beast was good. It took two to tango, and these two gave me the hope that when they actually have a match, that it could be worth something. And if they had a short one, they, it, I really wouldn't even be upset with it. I mean, it, it kind of, maybe not on the same scale, but it kind of reminds me of, you know, the, the Brock Lesnar-Goldberg thing. Well, they didn't need to have a long match for it to be good. It just needed to be hard-hitting. Hard-hitting need to be a hoss fight. And that's what this was. So, I mean, let's get to the end of it where Vicky Lynn pulls the beast out of the ring and they are firing forearm shots back and forth at each other. Like I said, Vicky Lynn <laughs> at times made it look like she was perfectly willing to fight and brawl with the beast, but at the same time looked somewhat inferior to her power but still willing to fight even though she was taking a, 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 a pretty well a beating but she was she was delivering as good as she could deliver it, it's, it was an art what Vicky Lynn McCoy did here it, it, it was an absolute art bravo to her and the beast bravo to them both uh this drove my interest. It, it, it did elevate my interest. The match ended in a, in a no contest. So, I mean, there, there's really no match to, to speak of. It, it was it was very short, very explosive, you know, for, for them. And it, it was the closest thing I've seen in a while to a personal conflict that had some level of anger and heat 
and frustration underneath it, and it was good. I mean, the referees are running outside. That you know they're trying to break everybody up. The Fabulous Four comes and they're trying to hold Vicky Lynn back. Even though Vicky Lynn took you know took a beating, she would lunge through and take a forearm shot. I mean, it was it was all just kind of wrapped in and worked very well. I, I was I was impressed and looking forward to what they can do and how this goes going forward that was the entirety of the show it's a c it's an average show two out of the four were good the glory glitter key to rush match like i said i enjoyed the match i just didn't necessarily care for glitter getting an absolute clean win nor did i care for key to rush's promo but i can't expect anything different because she really doesn't cut promos and then the Beast and Vicky Lynn McCoy. You just heard my praise there. Bravo. Mother Truckers and Las Banditas, the match is fine. It just, I, I just lost interest in the Mother Truckers, quite honestly. It, it, but if I'm giving it just on the basis of the match, the match itself is, is fine. It just did not do anything for me because I'm ready for that feud just to be over with. And, of course, last call versus spring break. There's, there was nothing there. That was just squash. So it's, so it's an average show. Nothing to get all excited about except for that last main event match, which wasn't a, ma- a match at all, but, but entertaining to say nothing else. So that's it. That is the full review of uh, WOW episode 207 or episode 59, depending on where you're looking at it at. So we will get back to this a little later on. And just FYI, for those who that have not gone to our social media, Instagram, or checked out the uh, the posts that we're putting on YouTube, there are new posts coming because I have found myself somewhat, I don't want to say flooded, but I found myself receiving more uh, things that have been asked to promote or put up some of which have come from CBS some of you may have noticed the uh, the Price is Right Halloween special that that was uh, asked to be placed up and, and the uh, Let's Make a Deal Halloween special because they had wrestling themes to them so they're like can you put this on so uh, you may be seeing a little bit more of those I just you know giving you an open shot ahead of time uh, also some movie things came across my, my desk so uh there's a little bit of those things happening. So maybe this is, you know, that up climb or the turn that the WPN is happening. And, of course, and as always, if you haven't done so, you can go on to our website, WPNWrestling.com, and you can get all of our social media links there. You can listen to all the podcasts. If you have, if you can't find where to get it, you can always go there. I mean, I'm sure you can get it on greater podcast platforms everywhere. But if you have some difficulty, you can go there and you can download it directly off the site. To say nothing of the fact there's a 24-hour stream featuring wrestling and other content that goes all day, every day, 24-7 on that site. And, of course, they have the articles, uh, blog posts, press releases down at the bottom. Just uh, a slew of things that you can go on and you can look at, you can read through, and you can watch and I have some updating that I need to do with that to begin with. So there may be some changes that are taking place on that site as well. 
Next thing, you know, uh, uh, there are some outside reviews that I'm supposed to be taking uh, taking part in or taking, you know, taking myself sitting down and watching. One of which is uh, the UWW, the ultimate women of wrestling. So I'm interested in watching that. I said I was going to do it a couple of weeks ago. I never got to it. So I am I'm definitely going to sit down and watch the show in full. So uh, once I do that, I will let you know, and then maybe we'll have a discussion about it. So with that, folks, thank you again for listening, tuning in. If you have not subscribed or if you have not followed on the various social media platforms, please do us a favor and do that. It helps keep the show alive. It helps raise our profile. It helps get more people able to see it and find us. And that's always a perk. At least for me, is <laughs> a big perk. And uh, I want to thank you for tuning in and listening. I absolutely do. So with that, this is Mr. Green saying that this is Mr. Green saying so long. And we'll see you on the next go-round. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the WPN's Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling. If you have questions or comments, please contact us via our Facebook or our YouTube channel, at the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. If you're new to the WPN, feel free to subscribe to our channel and like our page. We appreciate your support. Thank you again for listening.